Welcome to The Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored episode is very special. I'm here today with Miri Camacho and Josh Hardy of Holochain, the platform that delivers beyond the promises of blockchain by providing a lightweight, secure, and versatile framework for everyday distributed apps. Do I have that? Yeah, that's right. Everyday distributed apps. <laughs> a lot going on in Holochain. Excited to unpack it with you both today. And I learned that Josh here is not in Josh Dow yet, which we're going to quickly resolve before the day is over. But let me share with our listeners your backgrounds, and then we'll get right into it. So Mary's a social scientist with a master's degree from the University of Chicago, very used to cold climates. She boasts over 20 years of experience as a leader, founder, and executive in tech and telecom firms. She has also championed ethics and business communities and played a pivotal role in evolving distributed operations within organizations. Mary's advised numerous startups in strategy, funding, and product development. And with Holochain, Mary is driving the launch of innovative tech that delivers immense value in a rapidly changing world of social and political dynamics. And we'll talk more about this, but for those of you that haven't heard about Holochain, listen up. This is something you should know about. Holochain serves as a neutral territory for scalable coordination, a technology crucial for addressing global challenges and fostering thriving regenerative, creative communities and economies. And it's a unique architecture that aligns with the ways individuals and processes operate, the strong focus on individual agency and group t- context. Very relevant to the conversation Wow. Today. That was a lot of words. I think that was in my intro. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I don't think I stumbled, though. I no, that was off. fabulous. So love to always meet another Josh. Josh here is an Australian based in London, the Web3 builder and co-founder of Rain Protocol, a framework designed to make smart contracts more readable and writable. With a background in music and songwriting, he collaborates with digital artists in the Web3 space, merging creative and technical skills to drive innovation. And at the core, so everyone understands, Holochain is a P2P network and data integrity engine with broad applications including supply chain, value flow, accounting, and remote devices. Wow. Well done. Are we done? Yeah, let's wrap. (laughs) You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or, have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued, or deep fried? (laughs) Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore. Because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them. And also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things... Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. (laughs) So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. 
Well, there's a lot of fun stuff we can talk about. But first, what did I miss about Holochain? What do people need to know? I think the basic, most easy thing that everybody needs to know is that Holochain is a framework for building distributed peer-to-peer applications, period. It's that simple. And we're talking about the applications that everybody uses every day, whether it's social media, messaging, anything, games, a lot of great things. So we talk about it as something that you can use for supply chain and value flows and all of that, and it very much is. But most people are starting out with prototypes and games and small applications, work applications, all sorts of things like that, that really make our lives a little bit more disintermediated from big tech. Which is, I think, a really big topic today. I mean, it has been for several decades, right? So what's the backstory on Holochain? How did it start and when did you get involved? So the technical co-founders of Holochain are Arthur Brock and Eric Harris-Brown. They've been working together for decades, really, or more than a decade. And they started with an idea of metacurrency. Arthur's background was in community currencies and really currency design. And when they came together to build Holochain, it was a small part of a much larger project that they're up to in the world, which is transforming basically the dynamics of how people interact digitally. With Holochain, the idea was, hey, the way we've done everything, it's fundamentally set up to favor those who are already in charge, those who have power, those who have money, those who are centralizing everything in technology. And in their minds, that kind of puts all the kind of wrong dynamics into society. And what they wanted to do was make sure that the tech we were using would enable the sort of society we wanted to live in. Makes sense. So there are other distributed technology L1s using blockchain, and some of them have had challenges with nodes and and essentially centralization of decentralized governance, right? Like where you get these power struggles, even within sort of the decentralized world. What's Holochain doing to sort of address that dynamic? Well, First of all, Holochain is not a blockchain and there's no native currency. So Holochain is a completely different beast, monster, I don't know, (laughs) critter. We call it a lot of different things some days. But the idea is that there isn't one single Holochain. Every application is its own Holochain. And so there isn't this thing happening at the level of the network You have nodes in an application. The only reason people are there is because they get value. Every application is running on the computers that basically the app is installed on. So they provide their own infrastructure for engaging. It's a very different model. It can interact well with a blockchain because it's using some of the same technical infrastructure. So same cryptographic libraries and things like that, which allow you to be able to bind and do interfaces with blockchains. But it's a very different set of infrastructure that you're playing with that you can create different kinds of apps with. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'll ask you this question too, Josh, but like what got you excited about Holochain in the first place and got you involved? Sure. Well, I've been business partners with Arthur Brock for over 25 years and various businesses and He's an amazing creator, and I've kind of found out about this one probably around 2015, 2016, right at the early stages. I don't think Holochain had actually been, even the first prototype had been built yet when I started working with the organization, which was not quite Holochain yet. (laughs) And then we didn't incorporate until 2017, 
but I've been pretty much part of the gang since the early days. It's cool. And our show has been around for about two years. And a lot of our listeners, some of them are OGs. They've been in the space a long time, but a lot of folks have got into the space more recently. And I think it's great for them to be exposed to Holochain and sort of learn more about what sort of technologies out there in the world that might be relevant to what they're building. And Josh, would love to sort of know a little bit about your backstory and how sort of you intersected with Holochain as well. Yeah, so I live in London and I have been working on something called Rain Protocol, as you mentioned. And one of the founders of Rain Protocol is also a core developer on Holochain, David Meister. And so through him, I met the Holochain guys. And then Mary wanted to experiment with how we could mix Holochain with blockchain technology, like with L1s. And so I came on to like explore that space. And when was that? That wasn't that long ago. That was like six months ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah. know, in Web3, that's like a couple years, yeah. right? <laughs> so how's yeah. that going so far? It's good. I mean, yeah, I wasn't a Holochain developer before. I don't know if I'd call myself a fully fledged one now, but I've definitely built something in Holochain and I was able to onboard and get going. And so if there's any developers out there who want to try it, don't be scared. It's more intimidating. It look, maybe looks intimidating, but once you actually get into it, it's not too bad. Cool. Well, I'm excited about what you're doing with that intersection with music. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but I sort of want to just sort of mark this day and moment in time, right? Like I flew in from LA with Audrey and our team and you're here from abroad. We're we're at this event. I guess we're calling it the Funky Web3 NFT third space at Monroe. (laughs) It's this really cool jazz bar that apparently had a a roaring 80s, 90s party this weekend. Now it's a little bit more (laughs) subdued, subdued, but intellectual. So what are we all doing here? What's going on, Mary? Yeah, so this is a very strange time on a Monday. (laughs) We basically came to San Francisco for a conference and that was not meant to be. The conference's conference could not happen. And so basically last minute we pulled this together and it's just getting started. People are going to be arriving soon, but we just said, it's okay. When something changes, it's time for the community to step in and ensure something new is born. So we did that with an event here tonight and we're going to have some fun. Lots of people are going to come together get to know each other, network, all the things that are important about a conference anyway happen in the sides of the conference. They don't happen inside the panels. They don't happen inside the keynotes. They happen, you know, in the hallways. And we all know that. So we're just participating that way. Absolutely. And Edge of Companies, honored to be a media partner. Thanks for having us here and and making us part of this. And I would say the decentralization of our event was a really important thing that we did. We took it sort of another level this past year and had decentralized land grants from community to just have booths at our event, sort of supporting the locals. And then we also sort of really tried to cultivate a high vibration networking environment with live art and other things. Because, yeah, when you're watching a panel, you're not sort of co-creating, right? So you need a little bit of everything. And this is a critical part of it. So excited to do this with you both. Fabulous. It's fun to be here. So I think with that context, it'd be helpful to sort of dive into Holochain a little bit more, sort of the nuts and bolts of it, and then also talk about some of the use cases. So it's enabling decentralized solutions, and that includes new forms of currency, accounting, key management. Can you elaborate on some of these use cases? Sure. Well, I mean, you can build almost anything with Holochain, but some of the ways that it was designed were specific for certain kinds of use cases. I would say that A couple of things that are the most important is that 
you always have your private keys. Now that's normal in crypto. That's not normal in centralized tech. It's a big problem with centralized tech. But in building Holochain, we weren't just looking at blockchain. I mean, that was on our radar, but it wasn't the point for us. It's actually more at odds with centralized technologies and how are people being controlled by those who kind of own the keys to the kingdom. That's how we kind of think about it. So key management's a big deal. And with Holochain, your keys are your own. The first thing you do when you start an app, basically, is you're creating your agent key. And then from there, you're basically signing onto the app to kind of create like, yes, this is me in this application space. And it's really important to the integrity because then every interaction that you have with others, you get to validate the other people, the other peers on the application. So currency is a big deal, though, because we are not typically talked about in the currency space because we're not a token type of network. But what you can build on Holochain is what we call a mutual credit currency. And this comes from some of those currency designs I was saying Arthur was very involved with creating back in other prior to Holochain. And what happens with mutual credit currencies is they actually are always going up and down. It's really like accounting. It's less like tokens. Tokens are, hey, we're going to mint a bunch of tokens and they come out of where? Nothing. I guess nothing. And then essentially the value is determined by the supply and demand and the tokenomics. Right. Well, in a ledger that goes up and down that works like a accounting ledger, one side goes up, one side goes down. So in a mutual credit currency, it's always functioning more like accounting of something versus creation of something and then having it be supply and demand in the market. It can have an effect, though. Yeah. Does it still enable sort of multi-party stakeholders? In other words, it's not binary where there's just a buyer or seller. There's so You can have a more yeah. multifaceted economy. Well, completely. And actually, what you do with mutual credit currency is that you have rules about where can credit come from, who can go negative, so to speak in the currency is part of the rulemaking. So depending on what you're dealing with, in our case, with Holochain, Holochain doesn't have a currency, but Holo, which is a for-profit company that the nonprofit foundation owns, Holo is a cloud hosting provider, and it needed a microcurrency to run the payments to cloud nodes, essentially. And so we've built Holofuel, and this isn't released yet. This is still an alpha. It's still getting ready to be released. Right, but um, it's been a lot of work and time to get here. I remember hearing about Holofuel, I want to say six or nine months ago. Five uh, years ago. Well, for me, it was six <laughs> or nine months ago. So I was a little late to the alpha, but not too late because it's not out yet. That's right. But, but you guys have been building for a while. Yeah, we really have. And a lot of that build has been on Holochain. And some of that build has been on Holo, the platform. So anyway, with Holo, it required a currency. And that is also a mutual credit currency. The only folks, I mean, like, if you look at what kinds of accounts or what kinds of nodes get credit limits, not everybody does. Hosts, host nodes, because they're providing the service, basically, that's the asset value of the network. They're the ones that can have credit lines. So every mutual credit currency has a different design. It would be done for different purposes, but it works from a different premise, essentially, than the way that a lot of cryptocurrency works. Cool. And I think it's worth sort of taking a pause and sort of looking at the concept of Web3. 
I would wager you all consider you all a Web3 company. I mean, broadly, and I heard a Twitter space about this yesterday. People are debating what is Web3 and where is it going? Fundamentally, some of what Web3 has been the last two years has worked. Some hasn't. It's been an experiment. I see a lot of alignment in terms of what you're doing with Hollow and Holochain and the concept of Web3. I'm curious if you're offended by my observation or if you agree. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. We probably don't define ourselves as a Web3 company, but we do think we're building part of the next web. And I say it that way on purpose because Web3 has become so tied up with blockchain and that sometimes people think, well, if you're not doing it on blockchain, then it can't be Web3. And so we kind of think we're very aligned with what Web3 is about, but because we're not specifically trying to do blockchain technology, we're really trying to invent a new internet. And that there's a lot of partners in inventing a new internet right now. That's what a lot and, of us and, want. And I would say that's what a lot of the Web3 community wants. So Josh, you're shaking your head. That was nodding. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so nodding affirmatively, yeah. shaking, not shaking, shaking, shaking negatively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not disagreeing on this topic yet. But you're new to Holochain, but you're not new to Web three. Right. What's your perspective now that you kind of looked under the hood? My perspective is that, and I've been saying this to Mary. Like, I think a lot of DApps should have their front ends on Holochain because a lot of DApps have the protocol will be on the blockchain. That's fine. That's decentralized. But the way you interact with it is often through a website and those websites are centralized. And every other day you see like a front end gets hacked. The password for the domain registrar gets hacked and suddenly it gets pointed to a phishing site. And then people are losing their keys because they're signing transactions aren't the ones they expected to be signing and they're losing their money. So something like Holochain where you can have a decentralized self-hosted interaction with the blockchain just makes total sense to me. I don't know why. Yeah, I feel like all dApps should be using Holochain or something like Holochain. That's cool. Yeah. So I have a little bit of hoodie appreciation going on right now. Right. Josh is rocking <laughs> a hoodie that says freedom, research, and creativity. Right. I've never, this is my favorite hoodie. I've never heard those three words assembled in that way. Yeah. But it's a pretty powerful combination, and I think resonates with your perspective on all this, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, mean, I, didn't, are, I didn't write those words, but, but, I, but I saw you, them and I was like... You were wearing this hoodie today for a particular reason, I Yeah, think. I wear this hoodie all the time for yeah. the same reason, yeah. Which is that, yeah, I agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It resonates with me, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, it seems like a lot of what you're trying to do with Hologene is sort of mirror human-to-human -human natural interactions and experiences through technology. Is that accurate? Yeah. Holochain is just fundamentally architected differently. I like to tell, like when I explain it, I like to say that every time that you're taking an action, it starts first locally, and then you sign cryptographically everything that you do, and then it gets basically published into the distributed hash table. And that's where it's validated by peers. And that makes a big difference because what it means is data starts here and then goes to a space that's shared. And you get to say how that's shared. And that really, really matters when it comes to thinking about how you architect an application. And what we found is that instead of having people just think about, oh, let me architect an application by describing my data, sometimes we have them go, tell me what the manual process is. Because you may want to mimic a manual process instead of kind of mimic 
the way that you would do it in, say, a centralized database application. Like instead of thinking about how you do it with Oracle or a CRM system like PeopleSoft, you just go back to the pure basics of what exactly is happening between person yeah. A and person B. That's right. What's in the room? Sometimes it's like out on the field. It's like I was, we were on a campground one time talking to people about this and it was just sort of like, what do you do? You write it here, then you take it to your friend and then they do something with it. And then you take it to somebody else and then they put their stamp on it. And like thinking about it in that more procedural human form helps you really understand how you might actually get something done in Holochain better. You're bringing me back to like my former life as a management consultant <laughs> where we did like process flow diagrams. Exactly. Which I don't hear about them too often these days, but I think it was a really helpful process, especially working with organizations that do certain things over and over again. And they don't stop to like think about like the value chain and how they get from one point to another and how to simplify that before technology wasn't there and they weren't sort of using X system to do that, right? Exactly. But sometimes the way that we've done it now, you just like, you know what a CRM is. It's this set of data and it's the set of data against which you do three different processes. And if you try to like take that and model it in Holochain, it's really hard because I can't tell you how difficult it is to break up that centralized concept of that data into pieces that people are in control of again. It's just a very different thing. So we've talked about sort of the essence of Holochain and Hollow and sort of analogy of Web3. So let's sort of get into this, the realm of NFTs, right, as well. And you have this recent collaboration with Fractal Tribute. Maybe you can kind of walk us through what that collaboration was all about and sort of how that enables the use of blockchain for artists and creators? Yeah, absolutely. So Josh and I created this together. Obviously, he did the development. I did not. Maybe it's not so obvious. Well, I don't, I never, <laughs> I'm just going to say maybe it's not so obvious because I can code. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone <laughs> just can... Just not as well as he does. Well, everyone can code, especially with AI now, right? <laughs> That's for sure. But yeah, this actually started way back. I wanted to do a music last year. I gosh, that was this year in February. And... I started thinking about what I wanted it to do, but it just wasn't going to happen. We weren't ready. We were just getting ready to get to beta on Holochain. But it was this idea about collaborative music in a live space, and maybe it could be some creator NFTs that got created and then shared, and then maybe a concert thing. I don't know. It was like this big mix of a lot of crazy ideas that didn't all flow together very well. Fast forward four months, five months, and I'm working with Josh on the Web3 prototypes, essentially. And another person who works for us, Alistair, in the company, he went and took a game that a developer that is also in our community had worked on, Damien, and combined it with some of Josh's <laughs> NFT work that we were doing for the Web3 prototypes. And then suddenly we had basically an R place with making an NFT. And I was like, this is it. This is the collaborative art wow. game. And so what we added on were a bunch of other parts and pieces to it. So basically we added on that it would be something that would have a marketplace internally that you could buy the NFTs on the game itself, that the creators of the game would then have a fractal distribution of any funds that were collected. And that, so we basically took everything that Josh was doing with Rain Protocol well, not everything, but a bit of what he was doing with the RAIN protocol. And some of the things that we were doing with Holochain Web3 
prototypes, and we meshed it all together and made it a really fun game. And then... <laughs> and that's what Tribute... That's what Fractal Tribute Fract is. Tribute. And then right as we were doing can that... Can I play this game today? Am I going to get to play yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, it's, right, so, it's, so let me just say a couple things, because we had an art collective called Dada work with us, which was so cool. They did all the testing for us, and they helped us like figure out what constraints to add and things like that and how it would flow. And anyway, it's running. It's, it's an event-based game. So when we launch it, it launches for whatever amount of time we say. This one, we did it for four days. It ends tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Okay. So you have to play it today. All right. I'm excited <laughs> to check it out. Josh, anything to add to sort of the story here? What kind of gets you excited about this project? I mean, the only thing I would maybe add is like how it feels to play it. So you download like an app. So it's a standalone app. You download it on your computer? Yeah, your laptop. On your laptop. Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. install it. And once you open it, you're basically running a a node in the network. So there's no server. So you basically start communicating with all the other people who have the game, anyone who has it open, and then they tell you what their current knowledge of the state of the game is, and that gets sent to your machine, and then it shows you the state of the board right now. And there's no like vulnerabilities or security issues with this? Yeah, this is a game. Yeah, yeah it's still a prototype. I mean, in so many ways, it's a showcase. We haven't hardened everything from a security perspective on it. Fair enough. But that's you would if you absolutely went fraud, yeah. the NFTs that are for sale on this marketplace are for two cents of Matic. Got it. Got it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, anyway, well, so then you, a lot of yeah. NFTs are for sale for two cents right now. So <laughs> that's that's the, the, the goal. The goal was not yeah. to try to make money, right? It was just to show that it's possible and what you can do. But yeah, once you start playing, you. Right. So far, there's no blockchain. It's just literally people have copies of the game and then you make a move and then you sign it with your agent key, your Holochain agent key, and then you broadcast that to the network and the other people see your move. And if it's valid according to like the rules of what a move can be, so it's like each move you can change up to 20 pixels. These are the colors, like this is the dimensions of the board. If it's valid, then that person can include it in their understanding and then start broadcasting it to other people. So it's kind of like BitTorrent or something in that way, right? Yeah, very cool. So where does this all go, Josh and Mary, in terms of like the integration potential with blockchain? I know that was sort of part of this experiment as well. Well, I mean, there's a couple of different places. The thing that you didn't really talk about was the binding. Like immediately to play, you bind your EVM key to a Holochain key. So what that means is that everything that is being created for the NFT it is unforgeable, essentially. Only the person who is a creator in the game can create the NFT payload and the NFT that's on the blockchain. So because of that binding. And that's a really unique structure as far as we understand it. I mean, maybe. Yeah. yeah. From the perspective of like NFTs, like obviously everyone knows that the NFT on chain is usually, unless it's an on-chain NFT, it's a pointer to something else, right? So it's usually a pointer to like a JPEG. And that JPEG might be on like IPFS or Arweave, like a decentralized storage network. In this case, it's a pointer to a move on the Holochain app. So it's better than just IPFS because the app is alive and the app can change. And the app is dynamic and it's evolving in real time. And so we can have people minting NFTs which point to specific things on this evolving app, which has its own rules. So you literally have two decentralized networks bound together in a way that's like much more powerful than what you could usually wow, do with NFTs. It's like yeah. crossing galaxies or something. Yeah, exactly. So, so, and also you'd have to pay gas on Holochain, right? So you yeah. get to have all of the fun stuff you could do on the Holochain side is gas-free. People don't have to pay to participate. They just pay when they go to mint something on chain. I think there's a lot of people listening and that had 
very traditional constructs of Web3 and NFTs where they're sort of having to wrap their minds around right. this like you are. Yeah. What's been the feedback from the beta community so far? I mean, you can go to fractal-tribute.com and see the things that people have created and it's amazing. Yeah. People have gotten super creative. And, but, like, like, what's an example? That oh, there's like, so much funny stuff. What are we seeing? There's like, there's a Daffy Duck, there's a Snoopy, there's a Hollow Duck. Yeah, we, we have a joke about a duck. So there's several ducks right now. One of them happens to be Daffy Duck. There's a lot of sweet messages up there. A lot of people celebrating Holo and Holo Chain. I mean, high, high on love. Yeah, high on love was a really good one. And then just a lot of great art. I mean, like people are just doing all this sort of like, I don't even know how to describe it. Interesting shapes, <laughs> geometric shapes, geometric art. I mean, yeah, they're collaborating. Or either that or they're fighting to get their thing drawn while somebody else is drawing on top of them. I was going to say, and what's cool is like when you go and you see all the snapshots, they're like snapshots in time of this thing that's evolved. So it's this continually evolving artwork and it completely changes. Like you'll see like 50 different, completely different artworks. But at one point in time during the time of this game, there's how many hours it was, five days or whatever. That's like how it looked at one point in time. So yeah, it's very really cool. Very cool. Well, this is exciting. It's an exciting time for all chain. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack with what you guys are doing. This is just one example, yeah. right? But maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of a context on sort of the near-term roadmap and why people should pay attention to, yeah. to what you guys are doing and why they should sort of take note, right? Like our show really prides itself on covering the very edge of emerging tech. And I've been enamored with what you guys are doing since since I met you and learned more about it. Excited for people to really understand what's going on here. Yeah, I think it's almost, it's like I can share things, but it's really almost too early to know how all Holochain will be used. It's so basic of an infrastructure for building applications that really anything people can think of almost can be built. Some things that we shared that like even on that you can find right now that are actively available are business applications, productivity applications. We've got versions of Kanban boards. We've got versions of like creativity sticky games. We've got versions of there's an app that you can find at acorn.software. It's a like a project management, completely peer to peer project management dependency tree tool that can be used. But people are looking at using it in much, much, much bigger kinds of projects. We've had people talking about putting it in decentralized energy sensors. We've had people who are working up in space talking to us about like using it for communications from satellites. I guess one thing that is one of your unique advantages, you don't have the necessarily all the stigmas that are attached to... Web3, due to unfortunate circumstances, legitimate fraud in the space. At this point, hopefully we have one passage of time behind us with the verdict with SBF. But right. I think from an enterprise perspective, you don't have necessarily the same stigmas, right? Yeah. By not having a native currency in Holochain, that changes everything for certain kinds of use, use cases. cases. Right. And I talk to a lot of folks about different uses for decentralization and different purposes. And it sounds like for an enterprise, there's some meaningful considerations around what you can offer that don't run into the to sort of the hacking issues, the sort of challenges that Ethereum-based smart contracts sort of create, right? I'll let Josh answer that one, maybe. Wait, wait, what was the question? Sorry, can you... Oh, just reflecting on maybe some of the advantages of Holochain relative to like smart contracts. Well, for one, you don't have to pay gas. So you can build a whole different class of applications when you don't have to worry about 
everything you do costing some like costing the users money like that's probably the biggest thing and also it's not meant to be handling money so there's not like obviously you can build a mutual credit currency if you want but that's not like probably the main purpose of what you would use holochain for so therefore you're not creating these like financial honeypots where you're inviting people to come and attempt to hack so i just think it's a different landscape like there probably is there is going to be security considerations of course but it's going to be very different i think to what we've seen in the smart contracts world yeah, I will add on to that, that the honeypot issue is really important because every application is its own separate network. You don't have any one place to go, even on chain. Like there's not, like hacks are like, you'd be hacking into an application that maybe 50 people are using, maybe 10 people are using. These things will vary. Or it maybe is an application that a million people are using because you can scale these up. Remember yeah. that because they're installed on people's machines, you add people, you actually get more capacity in Holochain. That's really one of the unique characteristics of it. So, and you don't have the issue of it getting over time something that kind of the nodes get larger and larger, the data set gets larger and larger. It's not quite like that. There are ways to upgrade even an application to kind of do archiving and things like that. So when you think about the computing power required for AI, which is, you know, our other show, Edge of AI, and a lot of my friends are building an AI. We're in San Francisco, a lot of AI happening here. It requires a lot of scalability in computational power. It sounds like Holochain could offer that for AI applications. Well, from a distributed perspective, absolutely. And that's actually something that we're working to document and describe for folks in detail. We think that Holochain is an ideal potential solution for distributed model making. If you think about it, the data issue is always the problem with AI, right? And more and more, now that everybody knows how data models are created with all of our data that we've put out into the internet that we didn't realize was being used, the concern is going to how do we keep that data more private? So one of the architectures that is being looked at is how do you use data to train models, share the learnings, not the data, take those back, retest them, remix them, and then send it back to folks with data that they can keep doing kind of an aggregated sort of test model. Yeah, I appreciate all that. And this has been sort of fascinating, educational for me. Sounds like, to be fair, a lot of the building still to come and sort of framing up the future of sort of the new internet. And there will be challenges along the way Absolutely. that will have to be resolved, but you guys are doing something exciting. So this is a fun conversation. Hello again, Web3 Curious listeners. If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about. Your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Hi, everyone. So at this point in the evening, the formal part of the party has concluded. This is actually the second part of the interview. And there'll be some fun sort of moments in the party that you probably have already seen on the show. If you're on our YouTube channel, which I encourage you to subscribe to for our audio listeners. Mary, how was today's party? Oh, it was fabulous. We got to meet with so many people. It was just so relaxed. And everybody was amazing. They were gracious and excited to be here. Happy that there was an event to connect with. 
And there were a lot of really interesting projects that we talked about, different folks that we're going to be following up with next week. So it was good stuff. You know, yeah. it's, it's what you do a conference for. It's what you do an event for. Yeah. I met some great people, a lot of builders here in San Francisco, yes. a little bit more nerdy than the LA scene in a good way. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. Josh, how about you? Is it worth the trip? I had a great time. Met loads of great people. We love having listeners like you because you're not only generous, but you're smart and you want to maximize the impact of your generosity. Donating money to help people can be a wonderful and selfless act, but how can you feel confident that your donations are improving or saving lives effectively? You could do weeks of research to find the charities that are out there, programs that they run, how effective those programs are, and how the charity might use your money. Or you could visit GiveWell.org. There, you'll get a short vetted list of the best charities they've found at saving or improving lives per dollar. GiveWell spends over 20,000 hours each year researching charitable organizations and only recommends a few of the highest impact evidence backed charities they've found. Here's an example of how we at Edge of NFT make our charitable contributions go super far. Quick search on GiveWell's website, found their maximum impact fund, clicked donate, sent crypto to their address, done. Their maximum impact fund distributes quarterly to the charities that they believe will do the most good. GiveWell accepts a broad variety of popular tokens and provides a simple way to document your donation. If you've never donated to GiveWell's recommended charities before, you can have your donation matched up to $250 before the end of the year or as long as matching funds last. To claim your match, go to GiveWell.org and pick Podcast and enter Edge of NFT at checkout. Make sure they know you heard about GiveWell from Edge of NFT to get your donation matched. So this is a fun part of the show now we call Edge Quick Hitters, and I think it's an opportune moment. So edge quick hitters are a fun and quick way to get to know you a little better. I'm going to ask you 10 questions. We're going to be looking for a short, single, or few-word response. But feel free to expand if you get the urge. Sound good? So if I don't want to answer, can I just give it to Josh? Uh, well, you're, <laughs> you're each going to get a chance to go first. So he'll have the upper hand sometimes. You'll have the upper hand sometimes. All right. All right. All right. But since you're a pro at this, we're going to start with you, okay? All right. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? 45 Donna Summers. Okay. Nice. So music? Music. All right. Josh, what about you? Hubba Bubba. Chewing gum. <laughs> chewing gum, maybe. There you go. Yeah. I think I stole coins from my parents and ran away to the shops and bought chewing gum. Nice. Okay. So next question. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? That's more difficult. If you mean selling as in real money, I have no clue. Could be a barter. But when I was in grade school, I ran restaurants and I sold food that was not real. And I did a damn good job of it. So you were in the virtual sales business at an early age. Exactly. How, that's why we asked the question. How interesting. Did you think about that? I didn't ever think about You've that. You've been a digital we nomad, were... digital native forever. Wow. What about you? I made like a zine. I called it a newsletter when I was like seven. And one of the things that you could, the, one of the things in the zine was it was a basic program, like basic programming language that you could type in. He's how, always been a nerd. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great. All right. So, Josh, you don't get to pass the mic. You're first this time. Okay. What is the most recent thing you purchased? It was a Boulevardier, a Negroni with whiskey. All right. <laughs> Good answer. And, Mary, I guess you bought the open bar, but, but <laughs> yeah. uh, beyond that, any recent purchase that comes to mind? Does it have to be? I mean, like everything I bought in the last... 24 hours has been about this event, but 
Is that what you're looking for? If you want to share something else, that's fine. Okay, personally, I found a really, really great San Francisco designer and bought a bunch of clothing at this on this trip. Cool. It was a lot of fun. There's some really cool like boutiques here in San exactly. Francisco. Food, clothing, all of the above. Nice. What is the most recent thing you sold, Josh? Pass. I can't remember. My time. <laughs> sold. I'm going to stick with personal. I sold a phone that I had purchased for my father that was not very good. And so I needed to buy him one that had a much better user interface. A little bit bigger screen. Bigger screen, better UI. And so we sold the other one. I have the opposite problem. My mom is like so loyal to her old iPhone and she doesn't want to upgrade. And like the whole world out there, she's like happy with the phone. So there's a lot to get her comfortable with it. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. All right. So next question for you, Mary, what is your most prized possession? It's interesting. I think where I'd have to look is having moved across the ocean. What do I take with me? And the things that matter the most are my books and my art. Any particular book or piece of art that comes to mind? Yeah, I have a piece that I bought in Denver at a gallery that is like this gypsy woman. And it's almost like everybody thinks it's me when they come into my house and it's not me. But it's like the alter ego me. Nice. Josh? I don't really have an attachment to any of my possessions. My most useful possession is my laptop. I definitely have known for a long time that that is the most important possession I have. I don't know if I prize it, though. What, what about your hoodie? You're pretty into your hoodie. I do love this hoodie. Maybe that is my most prized possession. <laughs> you know what? That actually might be true. Okay, maybe you answered it for me. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. This show is about letting people know themselves more. <laughs> so, Mary, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, or experience that is currently for sale, what would it be? An upgrade? On my travel? Yeah. It's just I, I travel so much that it's just really hard to not want to be in a place where I can sleep. So enough points to always have the sleeper seat. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, yeah. Or a private No, jet, no, you know? I couldn't do that. I'd feel no. too guilty. Yeah. But no, just like... Just an upgrade. Just an upgrade. I really want to build a studio full of synths. But like all of the like old school, like all the vintage synths, like, yeah, all the classics. Moogs, yeah, loads of Moogs, like a CS80, like loads of just, yeah, that's kind of my dream once I can afford it, if cool. I can afford it. All right. <laughs> so Josh, you're going to answer the next one first. Keith's one for the audio listeners. He keeps trying to pass the mic back to Mary and goes second. I see a trend. So if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Openness? Yeah. I've felt that in sort of the five hours that we've, we've known <laughs> each other. That yeah. qualifies. What about you, Mary? I love Josh's openness. I think I just get shit done. And sometimes that's all that's needed. So I'll just stick with that. So Mary and I talked about what we would do when the conference didn't happen on Thursday and by Friday there was an event and by Monday we host it and here we are enjoying sort of the end of a very successful day. So Exactly. I get it. And Mary, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? That one is so hard and good. So probably that I don't 
give praise first. To yourself or others? Or others. Both? Others. Yeah, it's the eliminating, like, that critique comes first. That's what I would eliminate. A little bit more of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There's, like, uh, good things on both sides of the sandwich and then sort of the critique in the middle. You haven't heard that analogy? <laughs> I've never heard that analogy, but that's interesting. I'll think on that one. Yeah. What about you, Josh? I think, what would I not want to pass on? <laughs> Let me answer. You're too nice. You should just keep it all. You're very nice. You should keep everything. Like, pass it all on. Oh. No. Yeah. That sounds good. Josh is awesome. Josh is going to pass on being nice yeah. to the world. All right. So, Mary, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast? <laughs> this is a very literal situation. A very literal. Well, I had lunch. I went to the office supply store to buy supplies for the event that we're at right now. And we threw a party. And we threw a party. Yeah. Which everyone really enjoyed. And I guess, Josh, you were at the party. You built a game. I built a game, yeah. Yeah. And just before this, I was drinking a spicy margarita. There you go. <laughs> and now the, the final question of this segment, I know you guys want this to keep going forever. Of course. Is what are you going to be doing next after the podcast? Well, I think there's a lot of like, for me, this is, there were a lot of people that I met. And I think one of the things that I share quite easily is that I'm a little bit face blind. So there's actually just a follow-up routine to go through, like making sure that I connect with people, remember people. It's a struggle. Yeah. Try throwing a conference for like thousands of people. Yeah. I get it. Face dysphoria. It's a real thing. It really is. So yeah, something to just do some follow-up and to ground everything great that's happened today. That's great. And Josh? I'm going to go to Berlin on Thursday for a few days, and then I'm going to go to DevConnect in Istanbul, which I'm pretty excited about to continue these vibes. Cool. Yeah. And tonight, you're going to be coding or just relaxing? Relaxing. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. eating some food. Very cool. Well, this was fun. Really enjoyed getting to know both of you better and having some time to learn about what you're both doing in sort of the emerging tech space. I guess we like to sort of let folks know where they can go next to learn more about you and what you're up to. Josh, you can start first, like your Twitter handle, like projects that you're working on. I mean, on Twitter, I'm high on hopium. I like that. Yeah. A recent member of Josh Dow. So if your name is also Josh, then you can catch me in Josh Dow. Yeah, yeah. Josh, <laughs> Josh is going to be yeah. building out the technical infrastructure for Josh right. Dow that we've been sorely needing I think for some a sort long of like, time. I actually think we could do some sort of KYC integration where you have to verify your identity first. Because you have and to be a Josh. You have to be a Josh. Yeah, yeah in a way that like yeah. is just enough information. But we've talked about this on the mm. show. And I think this is what some of the power of decentralization is like, when you like give your ID at the bar, you're giving a little bit of extra information that you don't need to give to someone that shouldn't have it, right? Because right. it has your address on that. Like, I think the power of technology, and maybe this relates to our earlier conversation on the show and with Josh Dow is like, how do we let people verify they're a Josh right. with just enough information, but not too much yeah. and not sort of expose that permanently. And this I think that's like now. the beauty of this technology, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone's fully solved that yet, but I think people are working on it. All right. Well, we can solve it at Josh Dow. <laughs> yeah, we'll start there. We'll start with Josh's and... Sounds good. 
And Mary, there's a lot going on with Holochain. Where should people go to sort of start to dive down that rabbit hole? Well, if you're a developer, go to developer.holochain.org. If you're looking to find out more as a project, holochain.org. Or you can always go to my LinkedIn, and I'm Mary F. Camacho on LinkedIn, or at Mary Camacho on Twitter, Telegram, everywhere. So, easy to find. Awesome. Well, thank you all. We've reached the outer edge at the edge of NFT for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers. It will make this journey also much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no space and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.